Hi, this is the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for taking charge of your health, and I'm your host, Dr. Majd. March is Caffeine Awareness Month, so I thought it would be the perfect time to discuss caffeine, arguably the most easily accessible and widely consumed drug in the world. Many of us fall into one of two camps. We are either coffee drinkers or we're tea drinkers. And then there are those in between who feed the billion-dollar soda and energy drink industry. Perhaps because of this widespread caffeine consumption, more controversy and myth seems to surround the stimulant than any other. One day we discover that it's the fountain of youth and the answer to longevity. And the next day we're told that one more drop can actually send us to our grave. So what to believe? So what to believe? Well, in spite of what you may have heard, to this day, there's no definitive consensus within the medical community on whether or not we should recommend caffeine. So let's first find out exactly why this is so and then tackle what we do know about caffeine so far. Most medical guidelines and recommendations are based on research studies, which means that respectable physicians should not simply tell you that the solution to your lifelong battle with weight loss is to consume acai berries. Sorry, Dr. Oz. Almost anyone can organize a study to show that acai berries are the miracle answer to our fat-burning dreams. Please keep these in mind as you examine any future medical studies that happen to cross your Google medical searches, whether they concern acai berries, the supposed risks of the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines, or caffeine. Well-respected studies in medicine, hence the term evidence-based, often include specific features that doctors look for to give them validity. Examples of these key features may include the following. The study includes a large number of subjects, not just one, two, three, four, five, or even ten, maybe not even a hundred. The study has a control group that's been given a placebo. The study is double-blind, which means even the researchers don't know which subjects receive the compound in question and which receive the placebo. And the study is free from confounding factors, a term that we call bias. So please keep these in mind as you examine any further medical studies that happen to cross your Google medical searches, whether they concern acai berries, the supposed risks of measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines, or caffeine. Most studies of caffeine are in the category of observational studies. That means that a group of people who consume caffeine are observed through time. So there's no control group. And no one here is blind as to who is drinking caffeine and who isn't. Therefore, there tends to be some bias which makes the studies less than ideal. What we do know for sure is that caffeine affects multiple organ systems in various ways. The brain, the heart, the gastrointestinal system, and even metabolism. So let's discuss what the latest research tells us about the pros and cons of caffeine. So more than 150 million people in the U.S. are daily caffeine consumers, with most being coffee drinkers. Other common sources of caffeine include tea, soda, chocolate, energy drinks, and dietary supplements, all with variable concentrations of caffeine. The consensus in the medical community is that consuming up to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day, that's roughly about three cups of coffee, has been found to be pretty much harmless. That is what doctors refer to when they talk about drinking coffee in moderation. Here's a summary of the results of the caffeine studies. First, the pros of caffeine. Please note, however, that most of these benefits pertain to caffeine consumed in moderation, which means 400 milligrams per day, not in excess. 
So first of all, caffeine can improve attention and focusing abilities, especially in sleep-deprived workers or those experiencing jet lag. This is precisely the reason why so many people consume caffeine in the first place. Why many adults with ADHD tend to self-medicate with caffeine, and perhaps why it's often used first thing in the morning. Caffeine can also mildly enhance athletic performance. Check out the Get Fit Guys episode, Can Caffeine Help You Work Out, for more details on how to use caffeine to boost your workouts. Caffeine can decrease the risk of developing Parkinson's disease. The only exception is for postmenopausal women on hormone replacement therapy, where it tends to do the opposite. Caffeine may protect against the development of Alzheimer's, and it may protect against cardiovascular events like heart attacks, but again in moderation. Caffeine decreases the risk of developing diabetes and may even help to decrease insulin resistance in diabetics who consume it regularly. Caffeine can aid in constipation. It can also be liver protective. Some studies show some protection against possible alcoholic cirrhosis and hepatitis C progression. Caffeine may be protective against gout, an acute, severely painful, inflammatory condition of a joint, commonly in the big toe. Consuming two to three cups of caffeine a day has also been shown to decrease the risk of overall death due to any reason, what doctors and scientists refer to as all-cause mortality. And now for the cons of caffeine. Well, caffeine may cause rebound headaches, which are migraine or tension headaches often induced by withdrawal of caffeine in people who consume it habitually. And those who infrequently consume caffeine, it tends to have the opposite effect. It can actually abort an acute headache. Caffeine can also induce and or exacerbate anxiety and even induce panic attacks in people susceptible to them. Caffeine has the potential to induce heart palpitations and arrhythmias in people susceptible to them as well. Caffeine can interfere with sleep. It can also interfere with calcium absorption and increase the risk of osteoporosis, which is low bone density and fractures. This is especially true of women who maintain a low calcium diet. Caffeine increases the frequency and amount of urination, which can contribute to urinary incontinence, especially urgency incontinence. Caffeine can mildly and temporarily increase blood pressure, and those who do not consume it regularly but by up to about 10 millimeters of mercury. Habitual coffee drinkers don't seem to be affected nearly as much. And there you have it, the pros and cons. But I'm sure you've read a ton of other supposed effects on caffeine on the internet. But the fact is that many of them are based on inconclusive evidence, and here are a few to be aware of. First of all, there's no conclusive evidence currently linking caffeine to an increased or decreased risk of any type of cancer. Evidence is inconclusive and inconsistent, so that means that current studies show conflicting results and the medical community just cannot make recommendations in either direction at this time. Number two, there's also no link found between caffeine and increased cholesterol in those who drink filtered caffeine only versus unfiltered coffee, which some studies show possible opposite effect. Number three, Caffeine not only crosses the placenta, but it lingers around longer in the bloodstream of pregnant women due to their diminished metabolism. Therefore, it can theoretically interfere with fetal growth and possibly contribute to premature labor when consumed in excess. However, 
Studies in pregnancies are currently inconsistent and inadequate to make recommendations. Therefore, the current recommendation is that pregnant women either avoid caffeine entirely or that they limit intake to no more than 200 milligrams a day. So in summary, caffeine may not be the villain the media sometimes portrays it to be and truly may have some great health benefits, but at the same time, its drawbacks may not seem so significant, especially if you don't have any risk factors outlined above. But one thing that's really important to realize is that most of its benefits have been illustrated when consumed in less than four cups a day, a.k.a. in moderation. My advice? For the average patient not affected by the cons mentioned earlier, enjoy your cup of joe in the morning, but just don't overdo it. So share your ideas and learn more quick and dirty tips with us on the House Call Doctors Facebook and Twitter pages. And you can even find me on Pinterest. Please note that all content here is strictly for informational purposes only. It doesn't substitute any medical advice and it doesn't replace any medical judgment or reasoning by your own personal health provider. Please always seek a licensed physician in your area regarding all health-related questions and issues. Well, we've all been there. You're listening to a podcast on the go when you hear a super interesting ad for a product or service, but you simply don't have the time to check it out. Well, now you're in luck. See the full list of offers, discounts, and more from our Quick and Dirty Tips advertisers over at quickanddirtytips.com slash offers. That's quickanddirtytips.com slash offers. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of The House Call Doctor. And if you have any future topic suggestions, you can email them to me at housecalldoctor at quickanddirtytips.com. Have a very healthy week.